the buy-in moment happens when they really recognize that living the way I've been living is miserable. We're constantly criticizing our bodies, shooting ourselves over what to eat or what not to eat, putting ourselves into these boxes when in reality, we're so much more dynamic than that. Welcome to the Self-Starter Podcast, a place where stories are shared from women just like you, who left the colorless corporate world with an idea and a passion and ran with it to create the vibrant life they always wanted to live. My name is Megan Tobler, and every week I'll be bringing real women to you to share their entrepreneurial journey in hopes of inspiring you to take the very first step of your own. Sometimes the hardest part is just to start. So come on, start today for you, start today for her, and become a self-starter. Let's go. Sarah, I'm so excited to speak to you on just so many fronts uh, today. Um, One, you're all about body positivity and and intuitive eating, really making sure that everyone um, feels seen and heard in this world. Um, But for those of you or for those people that don't know you, um, can you give us a little bit of background information on kind of who you are and really um, what you're all about as the non-diet dietitian? For sure. Well, first off, Megan, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be chatting with you today. And for for those that don't know, my name is Sarah Cashlin. I'm a registered dietitian, certified eating disorder specialist, and certified personal trainer. I own and operate a virtual private practice where I help individuals from all over the world heal their relationship with food, exercise, and body image using the intuitive eating and health at every size framework. That's amazing. And so you you talk about how you are are healing people. Is that kind of what made you go into um, school or went to school to be a dietitian or or really how did that start? So it's funny. I actually got into this profession, well, the the nutrition profession specifically for the wrong reasons. I've always loved food, but had a complicated relationship with it because I struggled with my own body image from a young age. And so actually my undergraduate degree was in business and I've always had that like entrepreneurial itch. Um, I always wanted to create some type of a wellness brand, but didn't really know exactly what that would look like. And after uh, graduating from undergrad, I was working in marketing. And at the time I was also going through this major life shift, not only in my career and not knowing like where I was going with that, but my relationships. I I called it like an early quarter life crisis, essentially. Um, I just like wasn't feeling fulfilled in my job and I wanted to make a transition, but didn't know what that was going to look like. So um, yeah, I was at that point, like really lost. And I think that's when I, because so much felt so out of my control, I then focused even more on health. It was like the only thing that I really did have control over was like what I was eating and what I was doing in terms of like moving my body. And I think my obsession with health is really what got me started. Um, I was truthfully looking like the reason why I went into this field was because I wanted the secret sauce. Like I wanted to figure out how to really pursue health and how to change my body. And so with that, I actually started a food blog. And in some ways it was great because I had um, my own little space on the internet to be creative, but then in other ways, 
it was just becoming more and more obsessive. And I found myself like, instead of nutrition, just being a part of my life, nutrition was now revolving all around my life, essentially. Yeah. And when you say it was obsessive and it was revolving around your life, like what did your life look like at that point? I mean, it was, I always, it's funny. I always tell clients, please do not Google anything in regards to health and nutrition, because you will get yourself sucked down a rabbit hole and you're going to come out thinking, okay, I have this disease. I have this illness. It's just, it's toxic. And I was definitely going down that route. Um, I remember at the time juice cleanses were super, uh, they were trending at that point. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to try this. And literally day two in the juice cleanse, I was like, I can't do this. This is, this is hard. Like I need food. And, and so I, I was just like, screw it. I'm not doing it. I'm eating. And I felt like such a failure at that point. I had so much shame. Yeah. And like I said, I had this food blog and I, I, I got sucked into the whole influencer role, like route and, you know, people portraying their picture perfect lives with their clean eating and their green juices and their perfect bodies. So I felt like I was failing. I was failing at health. Yeah. And it, it is a weird society that we live in because with social media, we can choose what we want to show and share with the world. And there's obviously like that backstory, but unfortunately, because we're so immersed in technology today, like we're, we're seeing everyone's highlight reel essentially, and um, not really understanding that there's also things that are going on behind, behind the scenes there. So I think that that's awesome that you were able to, to recognize that at such a young age too, because I mean, having a quarter life crisis, I mean, you still have the rest of your life to ahead of you at that point. Um, and I think that there's so much pressure too to, to get it right, right away. And, and that's just not how the world works. Um, so when you went to your, to, um, to school, to get your undergrad, you, um, you majored in, in marketing and business there, and then you got a job in marketing within, um, the health and wellness space. So what was that job like? And, um, I guess, were you doing that at the same time that you went and got, um, certified in nutrition? So the work culture itself was really relaxed and welcoming. It was, it was me specifically that was feeling stuck and unfulfilled. Like I have always been super passionate about helping people, but in the position that I was in, some of the clients we had were promoting the latest fad diets and it didn't sit well with me. Um, I didn't really have the language at the time. I didn't know why, but I just knew intuitively it didn't align with my values. Um, I didn't feel like I was living my life authentically at that point. And, you know, like I said, we're bombarded with all of these mixed messages about nutrition and it starts to mess with your head at some point. You know, it's like one minute they're saying, go be a raw vegan. The next it's like paleo is super popular and now keto. It's, it's, it's so much contradiction. And it's, I was confused. I was just so confused about what to do. So I know. And yeah. the latest one too, I think is intermittent fasting. Oh and yeah. I, I can't get on board with that. I'm hungry. I can't wait to eat. Like I, I gotta wake up and I gotta eat. <laughs> Same. <laughs> All the power to those individuals that want to go that route, but a yeah. hand is not a good thing. <laughs> not at all. No, no, no. There's 
It, absolutely not. And you're, you're right. I have so many clients who are definitely dabbling with that. And it's tough, you know, like the message that I'm sending is it's not a sexy message, you know, like people want quick fixes. And here I am saying your self-worth is not tied to the way you look and you have so much more to live for than just your body. It's like I said, it's not a sexy message. So when people really are fed up with dieting, whether it be intermittent fasting or keto or whatever it might be, um, that's when you start to see like the flip of the switch. And it's, it's so transformational in my opinion, not only do you see the transformation within their relationship with food and their body, but also it can, it can transform their whole life, their career similar, you know, exactly like what happened for me, it changed everything. Yeah. So when, um, so are, are most of your clients, those that were like heavy dieters and now are looking to transform their life in a different direction? Is that kind of who works with you at this point? So I see, yes. So my specialty is eating disorders, but I also see people who struggle with disordered eating. So they don't necessarily have a diagnosed eating disorder, but they just don't feel good in their body. They are constantly yo-yo dieting and weight cycling. And no matter what, they're not finding themselves content in their body. And, you know, that's how the diet industry is built. You know, it's a multi-billion dollar industry for a reason. People are constantly realizing at some point that, Hey, this is not sustainable. And then they go on to the next diet and the next diet. And, and, Throughout this process, they're blaming themselves. They're feeling like they're the failures when in reality, the diet is designed to fail. So I see clients who struggle with eating disorders and people who, you know, are just are chronic dieters, both. Yeah, no, and I, and I liked that too, like really not depriving yourself of the foods that you truly love. Um, because like, I think sometimes too, that um, that's, I think where the eating disorders start, where you feel like there's like a, a food that's like off the table, that's like a bad food to eat. And then you do, and then you eat it. And then you feel really bad about yourself. And instead like embracing the fact that, you know what, my body, like I, I'm okay to eat this. It's not gonna, it's not gonna kill me one overnight. Like I love that chocolate chip cookie. I love that. Um, I mean, that's my favorite food. Oh, me Every single day after my lunch, I know I have to have a piece of chocolate because that makes yeah. me feel good. Um, so I think, um, just like you said, it, it's, it's, it is sexy to feel good inside too. It's just not on also what's on the outside. And I really like that message that, that you have. Um, so, so I guess when, when did it click to you that like, obviously you went to school for, um, to, to be a dietitian, but when did you, it really click to you that you really wanted to be that non-diet dietitian? Oh, yes. Okay. So when I got into graduate school for dietetics, I it was a three-year program, and uh, my first year, there was an internship that was available with uh, a dietitian who works at a dual diagnosis eating disorder and substance abuse center, and I was like, huh, that sounds really interesting. Like, I want to do this, and thankfully, I got it. And I was shadowing this dietitian who was so incredibly passionate about her work. And I 
I loved what she was promoting, which was the all foods fit mentality and very weight inclusive approach. And, you know, just seeing the connection that she had with her clients and more importantly, when the light bulb moment or the aha moment that happens for them and their healing process with food in their body, like when that happened, I was like, this is it. Like, this is what I've been looking for this whole time. It wasn't a diet. It wasn't, you know, a quick fix, but it was this way of living that's truly sustainable, intuitive eating, you know, it, it actually works. And, and seeing that firsthand, like, I was like, this is it. This is, this is the specialty I want to go into. And from then on, everything I was doing in terms of work rotations, it was all related to eating disorder recovery so that I could then promote the intuitive eating and health at every side's message. I like that. Um, but obviously like, because we're almost bred to, to think one way as a society, how do you work with your clients to be able to, um, not only change the way that they're eating, but the way that they're thinking about food, um, throughout this whole process? Oh, that's a good question. So I, the clients that I work with, not all of them are going into it, like ready to go, super motivated to just like, you know, lean into this process of food freedom and body liberation. So many of, so much of the time, like I'm getting a, a client comes to me and they're still in the contemplation phase, you know? And so we do, I do a lot more listening than talking just to hear their story, hear their lived experience and their background, and really try to understand how their relationship with food and body image came to be. And so at that point, you know, I will give education, but really you have to find like the buy-in moment happens when they really recognize that, hey, living the way I've been living is miserable. Like it's just, we're constantly criticizing our bodies. We're constantly shooting ourselves over what to eat or what not to eat, or, you know, putting ourselves into these like boxes when in reality, we we're so much more dynamic than that. You know, mm -hmm. it's, it's so we're such complex human beings. And for us to say, okay, just eat like, this amount of calories per day or exercise this much or do this many steps every single day. Like, it's not that simple, you know, like we have other things in life going on. And so how do we intertwine health and well-being with everything else we have in life? Like it really, it needs to flow. So I, my process with clients is I take my time with them. And like I said, when when they have that aha moment, it is so gratifying and so rewarding. So it sounds like you're more than just a, a dietitian. Like you're also almost like a life coach mixed in with it. Is that yes, what I'm hearing? For sure. I, I call it like a nutrition therapist, essentially. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which is funny because none of this was taught in dietetics. Literally in terms of eating disorder recovery, we had maybe a paragraph about it. And it was like super basic and yeah. yeah. So I had to do a lot of it outside of that. 
but that's, um, I think that's special because it's, it's rare. I mean, I think, I think as a society, they want us to put us on little boxes. And the reality is, is we don't fit in a box. Like everyone's unique. Everyone has their own history, um, their own issues that they need to work for from past traumas. And um, it isn't a one size fits all. So I think the com combined approach that you have of like really understanding kind of who they are, kind of what makes them tick, the, their thought processes combined with their goals potentially is, is a really great way to help set your clients up for success and long-term success. Exactly. I completely agree. Like I, like we talked about earlier, it's not a sexy message, but it's actually, it's the one thing that's sustainable. Right. It's not the quick fix, but, but, and a lot of people want the quick fix, but it's, they're just going to keep doing it again and again and again, and not seeing the results. If you go something like this, like you said, maybe it's not as sexy, but this is something that will last you a lifetime. Exactly. Exactly. And so you could have gone, um, you could have joined another practice. Um, you could have potentially gone to work at a hospital. Um, there's so many different outlets that, that you could have done. Like, why did you want to start your own business? So as I mentioned before, I've always wanted to create my own some type of a wellness brand, but didn't know what that would look like. And after meeting that who was promoting the intuitive eating approach, I was like, I, I later found out that there were dietitians in, in that specialty who had their own private practices. And I was like, well, there we go. Like that's combining my business background with now my dietetics. And it was just like the perfect combination. And from that moment on, I was working with a dietitian who had her own private practice and then also worked at other eating disorder centers. And like my goal throughout that whole process was, okay, you're going to open up your own one day. And here we are. I love it. So what was the first step in you taking to, to open up your private practice? So I was working full-time at an eating disorder treatment center and then simultaneously worked not one, but two private practices. I was an associate dietitian at, uh, at two different dietitians' pri private practices. And they really took me in, taught me everything. And eventually I had a full caseload and left my full-time job, which was terrifying. Uh, but I was very lucky that I had another friend who was going through a very similar situation uh, as a therapist she was leaving her full-time job to become to go into private practice so we took that leap of faith together and um eventually I I let go of those two private practices that I was uh an associate for and started my own and and it was like right before COVID hit too so it was just like double whammy because I was not anticipating that and just side note, I'm, I'm someone who's like a super planner. And of course, with starting your own business, like you can't really plan everything out to a T. So when that happened, I was definitely freaking out, but I just like kept my head in the game and I felt really lucky and blessed to have this thriving practice and just hired my own associate dietitian, which is really exciting. Congratulations. That's huge. Yeah. Now you had mentioned yeah, that um, 
that it was a very terrifying um, experience to really kind of take that first step and, and branch out. Like what kind of fears, I mean, you, you mentioned that you're, you're a big planner. So what kind of fears did you have leading up to that decision? I mean, the biggest thing was what if, I, have you heard of imposter syndrome? Oh yes. Actually <laughs> the, the previous interview that I did uh, last week was on imposter syndrome. So, okay. Yeah. <laughs> the imposter syndrome was real. Like, even though I'm, you know, I, I had the education, I had the background. I was like, why is anyone going to want to work with me? Like what? <laughs> I just didn't believe that it was actually going to be sustainable. Um, so really the biggest obstacle was getting out of my own head because yeah, I had so many doubts, so many fears. And I think that was the biggest struggle above everything else. Plus, like I said, with COVID, you know, this is a traumatic event that no one has dealt with before. So I was like, what's the world going to look like now that we are all like cooped up inside? Like, it was just terrifying for me at the, at that time. So how did you deal with the imposter syndrome? A lot of reaching out for support. Definitely. Like my poor family did not hear the end of it. <laughs> they were so supportive. And I also, uh, I had mentors that I definitely reached out to. I did supervision with them on a monthly basis. And that's what really helped me get through it. And, you know, a lot of reframing on my end. Um, and then I also want to recognize, like, I definitely have financial privilege and that for sure made it easier as well. Yeah, no, that's amazing. And um, you mentioned, uh, I mean, obviously it's great to have a good support system. Um, we are very fortunate to have a great family um, that is so supportive. That's amazing. Um, but you also mentioned you had external mentors. Um, where did you, or how did you go about finding them and, and really making sure that um, they were the right fit for you? Yeah. So I, let's see, in terms of the mentors, they were dietitians who were also in private practice. And I really wanted to make sure that the, our personalities fit. So, you know, similar to when a client is looking for a dietitian or a therapist to work with, you're not necessarily going to find the right fit right away. And it requires interviewing people and really seeing if the two of you connect. And so I took a similar route where I wanted to make sure that this was a dietitian that was, that I really looked up to and was inspired by. And like I said, I'm, I feel very blessed that I, I was able to find that because they really paved the way for me for sure. That's amazing. Like good mentors are, are really key, especially when you're just kicking off the, the business to be able to have people that are maybe a little bit farther along in their career to be able to um, help you avoid maybe going down some of the same paths that they did that maybe didn't work out. So I think that's a, that's a huge thing that you did that really sets yourself up from other people that are just starting out. Um, but obviously, okay, so you had this you had a lot of fears. You were dealing with the imposter syndrome. Obviously, starting a business takes a lot of time and energy. Is there anything that you had to maybe eliminate from your life throughout that ex whole experience to be able to really um, to be able to hire your first associate just just a few days ago? Oh yeah, um, my social life definitely took a backseat for sure. Um, even my relationship was rocky at the time. I mean, I feel so lucky to have found a partner who stuck by me because 
I was definitely in tunnel vision. Like I, my, my head was set on getting myself working for myself, you know, having that private practice. And so I was working six to seven days a week, 70 hour work weeks. Like, I mean, I don't recommend that for anyone unless you want to burn yourself out, (laughs) but that was how I, that was my approach. And at this point, it definitely looks way different. I'm so much better now about prioritizing self-care and yeah, yeah, that was definitely was not sustainable. (laughs) Yeah. 72 hours. That's, that's no joke. Um, how, I know. Yeah. 72 hours is what you said. 70. Yeah. 70 to 80 hours. Yeah. Yeah. That's insane. But so obviously your life looks a little bit differently now, I assume, correct? Oh yeah, absolutely. You mentioned like, um, like self-care. So what does, um, like, what does your life look like now? Like, how do you prioritize your, your mental and your physical health? Oh, so many things. I mean, first off, having a virtual private practice is, is such a nice, um, there's just so much flexibility, which I'm so grateful for. I, in terms of self-care, like I love being out in nature. I I try my best to do a mindful walk, ideally in the morning. It doesn't always happen that way. Uh, whether I'm listening to podcasts or even just not listening to anything, but just like, you know, de-stressing essentially. Um, but also I love reading. That's a big one for me, spending time with my husband and my family and friends. Um, and you know, every now and then binge watching some TV doesn't hurt. <laughs> so, yeah. It's all about balance, right? Yes. Exactly. <laughs> Both what you put in your body and what you do externally. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Sometimes you just need to sit on the couch and just chill. Why not? You know what? That's what I plan to do tonight, actually. Yeah. Just finish the end of quarter in the sales world. So (laughs) we're going to be binging some stranger things. Oh, yes. Oh, my gosh. I can't wait. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But just um, so um, you've obviously been an entrepreneur for a few years now. Like what advice would you give for someone that's maybe just starting out? Oh, I love this question. I would say first and foremost, be a beginner at things. You know, I'm personally a recovering perfectionist and I'll admit that in the past, I definitely held back from doing things because I wanted it to look perfect. Mm -hmm. And so I, you know, I'm constantly working on that and just trying to put things out there, even though it's not exactly how I want it to look you learn and you grow from that, you know, failure is an opportunity to, you learn from those mistakes and then you can pivot and build from that. So definitely, you know, be okay with being uh, a beginner and also, you know, stay in your lane and try not to let the comparisonitis get the best of you, which, you know, easier said than done, but usually when we're comparing, it just fuels that self-doubt essentially and holds us back. I love that. And this whole podcast is really designed just to inspire um, women specifically just to start. And starting is obviously, it's the hardest part um, because a lot of us do want it to be perfect. And I think that's that's what really holds us back from starting. It's not the lack of information or the lack of wanting to help people. It's it's almost like the internal judgment, you know, of, of yourself and from what we think 
of others. So I, I love that advice. I think that's wonderful. Um, now, if someone wants to work with you, um, if maybe they're struggling um, with the way that they think about food, or maybe they just want um, to have a more balanced life, like how would they be able to find you? Um, how would they be able to work with you? And, and yeah. Yeah, I offer one-on-one -on -one coaching with, like I said, myself and my associate dietitian at my practice, which is, you can find us at www.sarahcashlan.com and that's S-A-R-A-K-A-S-H-L-A-N.com. And uh, you can also find me on social media, uh, Instagram at Sarah Cashlin RD. Sarah, thank you so much for your time today. Um, I'm really inspired personally by what you're doing. And I realized that like we were talking about offline, um, this is something that's different. And I think that sometimes like as entrepreneurs, um, we have to all be ready and um, to, to make, to do something that's different um, in order to, to really see the kind of success that I know that you were already seeing. So thank you for inspiring so many people and for being on today's show. Thanks for having me, Megan. It's been fun. Thanks for listening to today's episode of the Self Starter Podcast. If you like what you heard, be sure to like and subscribe to stay up to date on the latest content. Want even more? Be sure to head to selfstarter.com. And remember, start today for you, start today for her, and become a self starter. See you next time.